lecture two part two of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture two on the nature and object of christian patience part two almost every one has some defect in body manners conduct or way of thinking and speaking and we have not unfrequently to come in contact with those who are rude or even vicious but if we lose sight of what is due to the immortal soul and give way to annoyance disgust or loathing we lose our patience become deformed ourselves by that loss and inflict wounds on our own charity and on that which is due to our neighbour now if we trace this conduct to its root we shall find that it originates in the impatience of fastidious self-love yet if we profess to follow christ and to imitate his ways we should remember that he chose for himself a society of simple uncultivated persons and conversed affectionately with publicans and sinners we forget how others have to bear with our defects and that we are a cause of trial to our neighbours blinded by self-love we see the mote in our brother's eye and forget the beam in our own there is nothing that drives us to impatience so vehemently or throws us into greater interior discord than an injury or the imagination of an injury which is far more frequent than real injury for sensitive persons who have but little interior self-discipline are prompt to imagine themselves injured in word or deed and what is greatly to be noted they are much more inclined to imagine themselves injured by their friends and by their superiors than by other persons the reason is because they attach more importance to their affection claim more of their indulgence and suffer more intensely if they think that they are undervalued or disparaged by them should they become dissatisfied with themselves and therefore conscious of blame they readily suspect that others disesteem them and are quick to interpret their words and acts in that sense then a little spark sets their soul in flames such persons ought to set a law on their imagination and keep their inflammable suspicions of wrong under the control of patience they ought to suspect their own suspicions which experience tells them are often unjust or their sensitive self-love will never leave them in peace for many things are said and done without the least intention of injury some from quickness of tongue some from inadvertence or thoughtlessness some in good-natured jest some from good intentions some from mere imprudence and no one has any right to take any of them in bad part and so commit himself to anger grief and sadness few there are who have not observed that even the just correction of those whose duty it is to correct instead of being taken in good part is too often converted into anger grief and sadness by weak souls who exhibit thereby a spirit at once mean and ungrateful where such is the case rebuke has justified itself 
and has revealed to that soul an interior state of disorder that calls for the most vigorous redress it is high time for that soul to become offended with her own conduct but if any one should falsely or maliciously assail our good name and reputation a mode of detraction not limited alas to the children of the world let us in that case keep our magnanimity that our virtue may be stronger than another's vice and that our patience may suffer no loss by reason of another's improbity rather should we rejoice in the lord that he has called us by these means to greater justice which is commonly born receives its growth and obtains perfection among injuries and insults in the nature of things justice is hated by injustice and therefore our lord was hated by judas by the sadducees and by the pharisees but he has promised a great beatitude to those who suffer injuries with patience there are also abundant occasions given us for the discipline of patience in those material things and events which are opposed to our inclinations and desires by necessity and independently of our choice such are corporal infirmities and maladies intense heat or cold severity of weather the uncomplying nature of materials in which we work and other like things however unreasonable it may be to give way to vexation or anger with things insensible yet many have so little wisdom as to lose their peace and patience over them nay some have so little patience as to lose temper over the bite of a fly the dullness of a pen the bluntness of a knife or the tightness of a shoe like little children devoid of reason they will ascribe guiltiness to things incapable of intention and have their little revenge upon them at the expense of their sense patience and serenity we come at last to those great calamities in which individuals families and whole communities are involved or overwhelmed whether by the injuries of men or the visitation of god such misfortunes try the constancy of the brave and expose feebler souls to the danger of desponding sadness now if reason should prove unavailing to set a measure to grief let faith prevail and when all seems lost on earth let us look up to heaven for better things for when things are at their worst according to the world if the calamity is rightly used they begin to be at their best according to god all things are in god's hands to give or take as he chooses and an immortal soul is more precious in his sight than all that the world can give when he strips a soul of earthly things he calls upon that soul to look to him and to trust in his care and providence his dispositions are wonderful he plays in the world with the children of men stripping but to clothe more generously striking but to heal casting down but to raise up bringing to the gates of death and restoring to life when holy job was stripped of his earthly goods and all his dear ones 
the god who holds all things in his hands remained to him and therefore he kept his patience and held to god with unswerving trust whilst the voice of his resignation arose in these memorable words the lord gave and the lord hath taken away as it hath pleased the lord so is it done blessed be the name of the lord in all these things job sinned not with his lips nor spoke any foolish thing against god job chapter one verses twenty one and twenty two and the lord blessed the latter days of job more than the beginning job chapter forty two verse twelve there is nothing really lost so long as god is with us nothing therefore to be despaired of as long as we are simple upright fearing god and departing from evil placing our hope in god and not in the prudence of the world he has care of his servants will turn their calamities into blessings and will not leave their patience unrequited divine is that patience of hope which in the heaviest as in the lightest trials looks to god trusts to god alone and fills the soul with the conviction that whilst god is with us nothing can be against us it would seem needless to advance more reasons on the duty of bearing adversities with patient resignation because on this subject every one can be his own teacher who is not ready to raise up the mind of his friend or neighbour from the depth of grief who is not able to direct the mind of one saddened with affliction to the divine help to the unreasonableness of too much sorrow and to the inestimable value of patience he will even minister gentle rebukes on the folly of being overwhelmed with too much sadness yet when his own turn comes he forgets the excellent teaching that he gave to others and will let no one soften down his grief thus the words that eliphaz babbled so unjustly to the patient job come home in all their truth and justice to many a consoler behold thou hast taught many and thou hast strengthened the weary hands thy words have confirmed them that were staggering and thou hast strengthened the trembling knees but now the scourge has come upon thee and thou faintest it hath touched thee and thou art troubled where is thy fear thy fortitude thy patience and the perfection of thy ways job chapter four verses three through six how shall we explain this apparent inconsistency the fault is not in the light of the understanding but in the resolution of the will our faith our instructions our meditations and our prayer leave us in no ignorance of what we ought to do we know well that in every grief and trial we ought to direct our mind and acts to god but when we have neglected to form our interior to habits of patience and our will has been too much devoted to the service of self-love many things become difficult to endure so when the hour of trial comes the will loses sight of the truth refuses to be patient and casts off the law of light the disorder therefore is in the will but the cure is also in the will holy job was not patient by nature 
but by the force of virtuous habits in his will the remedy is to waken up the will to the generous resolution of enduring with a magnanimous spirit whatever god ordains that we should endure with resignation and hope looking to no secondary causes but accepting the will of god as the first and ruling cause until it be his good pleasure to take away the burden returning for a moment to the vice of anger it should be thoroughly understood that all inordinate anger includes in it a disposition to revenge greater or less according to the degree of anger even though it be but a retort in word or feeling and that word or feeling be concealed in the breast in fact the anger that is kept within is more wasting and consuming than the anger that finds relief in expression st james has this element of vindictiveness in view where he says let every man be slow to anger for the anger of man worketh not the justice of god st james chapter one verses nineteen and twenty and st paul is more explicit he says if it be possible as much as is in you have peace with all men not revenging yourselves my dearly beloved but give place to wrath for it is written revenge to me i will repay saith the lord romans chapter twelve verses eighteen through twenty one anger is not a movement of power but a weak affection of nature destructive of power although the angry man mistakes it for power and at the time revels in it with a sense of satisfaction as if it were a triumph of strength but that satisfaction is already mixed with the misgivings of sadness unless resisted on its first approach nothing grows so rapidly hence the apostolic rule give place to wrath yield before it retreat from it if needful and occasion offers retreat from the occasion of it if anger comes upon you says st ambrose if it begins to take hold of you give place to it and take your own place your place is in patience your place is in reasonableness your place is in calming down your indignation it is no small thing to calm down anger it is an act as great as if you had remained unmoved this is nature that is virtue but the question arises is there a just anger unquestionably there is a just anger or rather a just indignation which belongs properly to parents to those who are placed in authority and to those whose duty it is to correct and amend disorder or vice and especially the disorder of insubordination and sometimes this just indignation becomes a duty that cannot be omitted without sharing the evil that is fostered by the absence of it but we must carefully distinguish between vicious anger and just indignation vicious anger springs from passion virtuous indignation moves from reason vicious anger blinds the reason virtuous indignation acts in the light of justice vicious anger has an evil purpose virtuous indignation has good for its object 
vicious anger multiplies evil virtuous indignation corrects evil vicious anger is moved by the malicious appetite of revenge virtuous indignation is moved by the zeal of vindicating the law and order established by god hence the psalmist admonishes us be angry and sin not psalm four verse five and our divine lord arose in the spirit of indignation against the pharisees on account of the pride and hypocrisy with which they misled the people of god from the truth and against the buyers and sellers who profaned the temple of god but where correction requires the emotions of indignation to give it due effect this ought not to be allowed to go beyond just reason and measure and therefore reflection should go before correction for whoever corrects another from the impulse of inordinate anger will himself be inflamed by the vice of anger he will exceed the measure of justice and do more harm than good explaining the text be angry and sin not saint bernard justly observes you may sin as much by excess of anger as by omitting anger altogether not to be angry when you ought to be angry not to correct the disorder is sinful but to be more angry than you ought to be is to add sin to sin it is with a view to keeping the just measure of anger that saint gregory gives us this most valuable advice take great care that when you use anger as an instrument of virtue you do not let it become your master make it the obedient servant of your reason let it never depart from the support of reason it will rise with vigour against vice when made the minister of reason reflecting in after life upon the grief and bitter anger against which he had to struggle under harsh and inhuman treatment during the ten years of his imprisonment silvio pellico makes the following reflections which as coming from experience are not unworthy of being here entertained if i were a divine i should often insist upon the necessity of correcting irritability and inquietude of character none can be truly good without that being affected how nobly pacific both with regard to himself and others was he whom we are all bound to imitate there is no elevation of mind no justice without moderation in our principles and thoughts without a pervading spirit which inclines us to smile at the events of this little life rather than fall into a passion with them anger is never productive of any good except in the extremely rare case of being employed to humble the wicked even as the usurers were driven by our angry saviour from defiling his holy temple excitement and violence perhaps different altogether from what i felt are no less blamable mine was the mania of affliction and despair i felt a disposition while suffering under its horrors to hate mankind several individuals in particular appeared to my imagination in the most revolting colours it is a sort of moral epidemic i believe springing from vanity and selfishness 
for when a man despises and detests his fellow-creatures he necessarily assumes that he is much better than the rest of the world it is a curious fact that living in a state of hostility and rage actually affords a pleasure it seems as if people thought there were a kind of heroism in it such is the world and without uttering a libel it is not what it ought to be to complete this part of our subject st john chrysostom has an admirable discourse in which he demonstrates that no one can be spiritually injured except by himself the only good we have that is excellent and imperishable is our soul and the good which god gives to the soul but by nothing except our own will can the soul or its good suffer injury so long as one possesses one's soul in patience no one can take any part of that good away from us we can only lose the good of the soul by not holding to it with constancy and we thus sin by losing patience if we yield up the will to provocation or to temptation it slips from our control and suffers its force to be scattered and blown away at the word or stroke of another and it is thus at the mercy of our lower nature becoming weakened impassioned and unreasonable yet the injury and loss to the soul comes not from the provoker not from the tempter not from the temptation but from our own want of patience in not holding the will to a better object that we may endure with constancy until the trial pass away vexation anger and such like weaknesses that give the will up to disorder for the time are like mental derangement in that they are attended with excitement delusion and the clouding of reason to such an extent that when calm and sober sense returns we are surprised and grieved to find that we have not only lost our self-command but have committed ourselves to a great deal of folly but when the soul is truly patient neither what afflicts the body nor what assails the soul can really do us injury on the contrary the soul becomes enriched with stronger virtue and that fortitude is confirmed whereby we hold to god for which cause says st paul we faint not but though the outward man is corrupted yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our present tribulation which is momentary and light worketh for us exceedingly above measure an eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal for we know if our earthly house of this habitation is dissolved that we have a building of god a house not made with hands eternal in heaven two corinthians chapter four verse sixteen through chapter five verse one end of lecture two part two